right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. I couldn't imagine you not coming with your Bible to this church. Amen? Because this is a Bible-preaching, believing church. Wasn't that a beautiful song? Miss Sarah's always appropriate in her singing and always uh, timely. What a Thanksgiving song that is. Amen? But I believe every Sunday ought to be Thanksgiving. That's why we're here, to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, it's wonderful to realize how much He's done for us. He saved you by His grace. Some people that are very close to, to us are experiencing heaven this morning for the first Sunday. Uh, and what a blessing to think about that, Miss Janet, that uh, there's a praise going on that we have no idea how good it is. You know, the best is yet to come. There was once a lady that um, was... Um, had a very strange request in the casket. She was holding a fork. Everybody came by and said, what in the world is this lady holding a fork for? And she had a special custom that um, she'd always give her children saying, listen, uh, here is your dessert fork. And she'd always say, the best is yet to come. And so she wanted to give the message, the best is yet to come. So heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace, and we ought to be excited about it. And, um, you know, there's many of our friends and loved ones that are very close to heaven this morning. Um, I was talking to Brother Chris Hanks. He just had his organist husband uh, went on to be with the Lord, and then he's got two more that's in, uh, one in ICU and one in the hospital, and then several that have come down with this uh, COVID out there and out west. It's just really rampant. And, uh, you know, we were rejoicing that this man was saved. And that's what counts, amen? That's all that counts. Hebrews chapter 13, I could call this the P.S. of the letter, but I don't believe there's a P.S. in all the Word of God. But when somebody puts a P.S. on a letter, it's always to emphasize something. And uh, this is about going on. And so I'd like to entitle this message, Let Us Go On. Uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of phrases in the in the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6, it says, let us, and I'll be preaching on that, 4.16. Uh, it says, let us uh, uh, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. I used to say throne of God, and that's not even biblical. It's throne of grace. It's throne of God also. But you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Then Hebrews chapter 6 says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on into perfection. That means we ought to mature past uh, the fundamentals, repentance and baptism. Uh, and, and what a great passage of Scripture this is. A lot of people falsely translate it into losing your salvation, which is not possible. But then we see that Hebrews chapter 13 starts with let. Let. That's a, ver that's a word of action. And folks, all this great doctrine, and I believe Hebrews is one of the greatest connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Word of God. It's an essential book to teach you that law, it was a schoolmaster and that we're not saved by law, we're not saved by keeping the law, we're saved by grace. And we shouldn't go back to, as the Judaizers were, to mixing law and grace to stay saved. We're not spinning plates up here trying to stay on balance. We are saved by grace and it's all because of Christ. So we need to go on. We need to go on and not go back to the temple worship, not go back to the priest worship, not go back to sacrificing in the, in the uh, temple, not go back to Sabbath keeping, seven-day Adventist. We don't need to go back to the law and mix law and grace together uh, to uh, go on to maturity. But this chapter is about now that you're saved, you ought to be a consistent, different believer. Believers are to behave differently. Can somebody say amen? And folks, they are to live noble, honorable lives. And we ought to take the high road. Well, as Dr. Sexton preaches a great message on taking the high road, the high road. And folks, we ought to be different. And so I want to preach, um, I preached verse 5 and 6 last week, and I looked back at verse 1 through 4, and I said, I cannot just slide over these, especially verse 3, verse 4, what we'll major on this morning about bringing your faith home. 
So let's uh, stand on the Word of God, and I'll read verses 1 through 5, and we might get further, but I think this is all we'll cover this morning, and tonight we'll uh, continue. So please be back at 6 o'clock sharp. It says, Let brotherly love, and I love this word, continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for whereby thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffering adversity, that's them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all and in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Let me read one more verse. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Oh, just one more verse. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I might not preach that verse, but I'm going to rejoice in it, amen, that we can, we can know that God is not going to change. Amen. There's so many things changing. It's unreal in this world today. I think it's the most unstable time politically, uh, materially, physically, but I want to tell you something, God's still on the throne. God's still on the throne. Matter of fact, Tuesday night I'm going to have the choir sing, He's still on the throne. It might be by video, but praise God, it's going to be sung somehow, and if not, me and Jason will sing a duet. But I want to tell you something, friend, He is still on the throne, and we ought to praise God for it. Amen. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you that we can praise your holy name for all your goodness, but also all your consistency. Lord, you're a faithful God. Great is thy faithfulness. How great thou art. And Lord, we praise you, and we don't have the words uh, to voice uh, a sentence that'd be sufficient to describe how good and how great and how faithful thou art. So Lord, help us to live it out. Help us to go on to maturity. Help us, God, not to go back to the law and go back to religion and go back to selfishness and worldliness. God, help us to make a difference because you are different. You've made a difference in our life. We pass from death into life because of your Wonderful salvation. And God, how dare we go back to the world? And so, Lord, help us to stay consistent, faithful, holy, and in love with Thee. And we'll praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to give you a few things about going on. One time I heard Brother Doctor, Do, Brother Doctor, uh, Doctor Lester Olaw preach at uh, First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. And the theme in 1975 was don't quit. Don't quit. And he got up and he preached after being persecuted by the courts and being in jail and, and um, uh, just living a great life of uh, faithfulness. He preached on pawing in the valley. And one phrase he said in that, in that message that I'll never forget, he said there is no place to park. There's no place to park. And he was a down-to-earth Texas preacher that preached under much persecution because he wanted to keep his homes open and, and help girls uh, get off the streets and get off drugs. That's all he wanted to do. And the government tried to shut him down. And he stood firm in his faith. And he was one of my heroes when I was coming up in the early uh, 70s and 80s. And folks, he went on to heaven. And when he went on to heaven, he was flying. And I can imagine uh, those girls and him were singing a song. And when, they went, when, they, when that plane went down, they went up. Amen. And they're still singing. Uh, and he's still pawing, uh, in, not in the valley, but in heaven, uh, praising God. And, and, and I'm thrilled that I had a 
privilege of hearing him so many times. So wise counsel to believers is this chapter. And it's on behaving. And by the way, if your believing does not affect your behaving, then you have shallow belief. Amen? I mean, if you really believe that God is who he is, it'll change your life to walk a different walk and to talk a different talk and to be a witness. Believers are to behave differently than unbelievers. Can somebody say amen? We are believers in the living God, and folks, we have the Holy Spirit in our life. We're going to heaven. We're just residents of heaven. We're just uh, uh, passing through this earth. We're pilgrims passing through, and we ought to live like that. But sometimes it seems like we get so grounded and so um, dependent upon this world that we let the world dictate to us how we're going to live. And I'm a little rebel in that. I'm I'm not going to let any government or any person on this earth dictate to me how I'm going to live. And folks, I believe we ought to live for God. And that means we ought to live with uh, respect and honor and, 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 you know, caution during these times and and all the things that we need to do. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. There ought to be a difference in your life. And first of all, I want you to know that we ought to go on with compassion. The Bible says in Jude, I believe it's verse 22, that compassion makes a difference. We need to go on with compassion. We need to show compassion one to another continually. Look at this little verse. It says, let brotherly love continue. I think I can memorize that verse. Amen. That's like Jesus wept. Amen. But listen, let brotherly love continue. And folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, If we're not careful, we'll let the pressures of this world uh, draw us apart. And it's so sad today that we are losing people uh, that are going to the world of depression and the world of fear. And folks, I know that we're not doing all that we could do. We don't have a choir. We don't have a nursery. We're going to start that, I believe, uh, next week. But I'll tell you this, we need to love one another more than we ever loved each other. And we need to continue loving even when it's hard to love. Uh, Believers are to show compassion one to another. We ought to take care of the household of faith. Amen. And we ought to take care of the household of faith more than we take care of the world because that's our obligation. We're family. As believers ought to be the most consistent and faithful people on this earth. You ought to be consistent. You ought to be predictable that you're going to be worshiping God on the Lord's day, that you're going to read your Bible every day, that you're going to pray, and that you're going to live in love. And then I see in verse 2 a very strange verse. It says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Now, they didn't have Motel 6 in those days. I mean, people traveled a lot, especially evangelists or angels or messengers. And folks, sometimes they would knock on the door and say, I'd like to stay at your house. Now, folks, that's hard for some people that are very um, prideful about their house and they don't have strangers. Today, that'd be a hard custom to fulfill, wouldn't it? Just some guy knocks on the door and says, I'm visiting Dalton, I'd like to stay in your house, and you would probably go get your gun. But believers are to show compassion to strangers. But all, folks, we need to show compassion most of all to the household of faith called evangelists and preachers and pastors and missionaries that come our way. And so folks, it's just down to earth. We need to be hospitable. We need to be friendly. We need to uh, uh, bridge the gap between us and the world through brotherly love continually. But I want to get to verse 4, or excuse me, verse 3. It says, Remember them that are in bonds as uh, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Now in these days, friend, they were were members of the church going going to the jail, and they were going to prison, and they were being persecuted. And folks, listen, in the Bible days, a lot of jails would not feed them. They depended on their friends and family to come bring them food or they would starve to death. It's not like the holiday inns we have today with the colored TVs. I know when I used to go in jail many months ago in the YDC, uh, they gave them an option of whether to come in to hear me preach and then I'd hear that TV blaring back there and I said, well, of course they're going to choose, you know, I love Lucy more than I love... Brother Wayne, and, and uh, I'd often pray, God, bust that TV. Uh, break it uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd go in and, and uh, 
uh, half of the crowd wouldn't come out to hear me preach. And uh, thank God uh, we had more people saved there than I ever had any place that I can imagine. And I miss it. But folks, I want to tell you something. We need to realize there's a persecuted church in the world. We need to pray for them. We need to realize in America we have it made. We might It might get worse uh, considering all that's happening. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to realize there was a persecuted church, and that's why these Christians were wanting to go back. These Christians were wanting to say, hey, it was easier in Judaism, and I got the Jews against me, I got the government against me. It's hard times. Some of my family members are being killed for the faith. They're in jail for the faith. And, and Paul says, and I believe Paul wrote the uh, book of Hebrews. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, you can go to the FBI and find out the real truth. But remember them that are in bonds. And uh, we need to, to minister to them. And they suffer adversity. And if one suffers, the Bible says they're part of us. Now, folks, don't forget those that are suffering. I thank God for our church, and it's hard in these days, but our church is a very loving church, and a very benevolent church a very kind church. You're always willing to serve meals and, and you go to the funeral homes and a lot of people don't even go to the funeral homes these days. And you, and you visit and you love and you send cards and you send phone calls and it's wonderful. That's the way we ought to go on. And folks, if the church doesn't hang together, we'll hang separately. You need to be a part of a local assembly. You need an ecclesia called out assembly and you ought to thank God for the family of God. You ought to thank God for the church and folks, you ought to go on in faithfulness one to another. Faithfulness to those that are suffering. Faithfulness to those that come this way as strangers and missionaries and evangelists and, and show hospitality. Uh, be friendly, in other words. I thank God for our friendly church. It's being strained a little bit right now, but y'all doing the best you can. Amen? I noticed Joanne was waving at somebody in the back back there. She's trying her best to be friendly. And it's really hard for her not to be friendly. But uh, folks, listen, we can still love each other, pray for each other, and be close to each other even if we have to be socially distanced. We don't need to be spiritually distant. But I want to get to the main part of my message. That was all introduction. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we see verse 4. It's what I've been trying to get to. Marriage is honorable in all things, in all. And the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. I want to. I want to uh, to admonish you and and I want to exhort you that we need to uh, not only show honor and love in the church and to those that are suffering and even to strangers, but God help us. We need to bring it home. We need to go on in our marriage. And I want to tell you something. If you want to be a distinctive Christian, there ought to be a difference in your marriage. There ought to be a difference in your family. There ought to be a difference the way you raise your children. There ought to be a difference in the way you treat your mate. There ought to be a difference. And folks, that difference is right here in this third word, honorable. If you want to energize your marriage in 60 seconds, 60 seconds now, you can do it. Uh, do you smile when she comes in the room or when she leaves the room? If you smile when she comes in the room, that is called respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. -E -E I don't spell too good, but I believe that's right. Is that right? What are you laughing at? Amen, that's right. Amen. Thank God. Respect. We ought to respect each other. I tell you what, when you respect somebody, you listen to them. When you respect somebody, you spend time with them. When you respect somebody, you care about how they feel. Now, I'm just preaching on marriage, my favorite subject, and I like to do this all, all the time when I get a chance, and people are trying to book this spring for me to have some couples retreats, and I'm saying, oh, I hope we can do it safely. But I want to tell you something, folks. There's purity in marriage. The, bed's, the bed is undefiled. And I want to tell you something, friend. I don't know what was going on in these days, but, folks, there was a lot of looseness probably and a lot of immorality and so he deals with it in his P.S. He deals with it in his closing. He says, listen, I've been doctrinally uh, uh, trying to get you sound doctrinally about not going back to Judaism, not going back to the shadows and the, and the types and, 
and the, and the law keeping and the temple worship and the sacrificing of animals, and I want you to go on and worship Christ, but if you do not have a good marriage, it's all in vain. Your Christianity will never rise any higher than your Christianity in your home. You're pumping it up. Anybody can smile around the Lord's Supper table, but do you smile around the breakfast table? Say amen. If I have grits and boiled eggs, I'm smiling. Amen. Uh, I think that we ought to thank God for what we have. And I think we ought to thank God for each other. Don't take each other for granted. That's dishonorable. The Bible tells us that we ought to have honor in, uh, in the home. Not honor just in the court, but honor in the home. And folks, some, some, I, I just want to say first of all, that our society does not honor spiritual oneness today. Folks, it's a dishonor to God. It's a dishonor to God to say that two men can be married to each other. <clears throat> that two women can be married to each other. God help us. And our future vice president, it looks like, has performed ceremonies of same-sex marriages proudly and videoed it and put it on uh, the internet. God help our nation. God help our nation. Folks, that endorses the wicked same-sex marriage. That they, they endorse changing your sex. That's abomination. That's, that's absurd. That's wicked. That's making man God over their own body. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, glorify God. Glorify God. That means accept how God made you. Amen? If you're bald, shine your head, praise God. If you got two teeth, brush them and smile. If you're short and you can't, you have to look up to everybody, then look on up to God. Amen? Don't try to change yourself. Accept yourself. Because when you accept yourself, you accept your Creator. Say amen. Now this will help some of you insecure people. That's always down on yourself and always, oh, I wish I was like this person or I wish I could run the football or I wish I was the beauty queen. God help you. God made you like you are. Amen. Now, I think you ought to take care of yourself. Amen. I mean, if you got two hairs, flip them over and comb them. Amen. Take a shower every Saturday night. That'll help you. Praise God and help everybody around you. But I think you ought to take care of yourself. I think you ought to go get a checkup. Amen. Uh, I ain't going to go into the checkup I had this week, but I'm just saying, God help us to take care of the temple of the Holy Ghost, the temple of God, not abuse it. But I want to tell you something, friend. We need to take care of each other in the home. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. You'll not always have your wife. You'll not always have your husband. And while you have them, take care of them. Love them. And the worst thing that could ever happen in your marriage is that you take each other for granted. We need to honor God in our marriage. We need to honor God to make our marriage spiritually one. You know that was coming. That's my theme on every retreat. God did not create you just to be married. God created you to be spiritually one. That means both of you need to be saved. That means both of you need to be right with God. And both of you need to be close to God if you're going to be spiritually one. You cannot give out of emptiness. That's why, young people, if you're dating somebody lost, you're out of the will of God. It is sin against God. It's sin against the purpose of the future of your life. And folks, you need to realize and wake up that God does not, what fellowship has light with darkness, with Belilah, with God. Folks, listen, God wants you to have a spiritual union. Not the physical union. That's why premarital sex is so deadly in your perception. Because you feel like you owe that person now to be married to them because you had you went all the way out of the will of God. Now, I'm just being blunt now, like I am on a, a couple's retreat. And then, folks, we need to realize that we need to save ourselves to marriage and unwrap the gift of ourselves to our mate in marriage. That goes for husband and wives, girls and boys, you need to stay pure till marriage. It needs to be preached today, say amen. You're not going to hear that in sex education class in the public schools. You need to keep yourself pure. 
If he loves you, he won't ask for you to do that. Come on. If he respects you, he will not ask you to give up your virginity. It ought to be saved for that special night on the honeymoon. Say amen. I'm preaching now. If you don't amen me, I'll amen myself. Or I'll pull the choir up here to amen. Amen? You'll just have to sit every other chair. Folks, marriage should honor God. Your dating relationships ought to honor God. Your relationships ought to honor God. And folks, my Bible tells me if you honor God, He'll honor you. He'll bless you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And some of you say, I'm tired of seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm going to be by myself the rest of my life. No, God will provide. And God will meet your need of companionship. Just hold on. Honor in the home starts with honoring God. Marriage is honorable in all. And folks, it's a dishonor to God when you don't honor your mate. And let me just say, second of all, um, you know, our society makes light of marriage by prenuptial agreements. Folks, it's not a contract, it's a covenant. If you got plan B, you're in trouble in your marriage. Say amen. And I want to tell you something. We don't honor God when we uh, have one out of two families in America end in divorce. That's not honoring God. Now, I know some of y'all been through that trauma, and right now you're getting a little touchy. Like the lady when I, when I, when I hit, hit, hit about abortion in the bulletin, and she didn't like it because she'd had one. But I want to say this, friend. God wants you to stay together. And God wants you to be faithful. And God wants two to be one for a lifetime for God's glory. Now, if you've suffered the, uh, the uh, trauma of divorce, you need to pick up your life by the God, grace of God. But I want to tell you something. Some of y'all don't have to suffer divorce because you can date right. You can choose right. You can have high standards that are right. You can be spiritually led and spiritually motivated and spiritually protected in the dating relationship. I believe that some of this breaking up is divorce training 101. It's, you know, it's just date 16 people and break up. What's happened to courtship? But I'm going to say honorable in your relationship. Honorable. And then, then let me get off this subject because it's getting a little touchy. But uh, it don't bother me, but it looks like it's bothering y'all. Children should honor their parents. In Ephesians chapter 6, if you'll go back to Paul's epistle of chapter 6 of Ephesians, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You want things to go right? Then stay under authority. Amen? You want things to go right? Honor your mama and daddy. And that means when you honor them, you respect them enough to listen to them. Amen? And to help them. And to be respectful. It says, honor the father and mother is the first commandment with promise. I like that, don't you? Conditional promise. Look at verse 3, that it may be well with thee. I may just live long on the earth. But you may live long. There's many people. When I meet an older person, and I love to meet somebody older than me, which is not happening much lately. But uh, I always say, I, I, you know, they're 90 or 100, and I say, I bet you obeyed your parents. And they'll always smile and say, yes, honey. I like when they call me honey because that means they think I'm young, you know. I obeyed my parents in everything. And I knew that if I didn't, they'd take me to the woodshed. Now, those are good old days, amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. We need to honor our parents that it'll be well with thee. Uh, there's something called a blessing. Uh, young people, you should never, never date or marry somebody without the parents' blessing. It's, there's something wholesome and powerful about the blessing that's passed on from the parents. Say amen. And I want to say this, Daddy. You need to be spiritually in tune where when, when uh, she brings back, she brings home Hell's Angel, and she brings home uh, some guy that looks like he needs to play in the uh, band called The Who or something, you know, that you can say, nope, I don't think you're right for my daughter. Hostile Vista, baby. <laughs> Amen. Get out of my house. No, no. And, and, and that, your mother, that your children will respect you enough to say, if you don't 
think they're right, daddy or mama, I won't do. So honor starts in the home in our relationships. But honor is the main priority of our life. Folks, you're not, listen. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. Here's a reason to be married, stay married, and enjoy marriage. And it has nothing to do with your happiness, even though you ought to be real happy uh, with the person you're living with. It says, that it says, Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's verse 25. You can go back to verse uh, uh, 21. It says, Submitting yourselves one another in fear of the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own your uh, unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. That's honor. I don't believe you have to kiss his foot. I don't believe you have to, uh, you have to walk 10 spaces behind him like in the Bible days. Be a pretty good idea. No, not really. But, uh, you know, I don't think you have to do that. Uh, matter of fact, there ain't no woman that this day and age is going to do that. But I, th- I believe you ought to respect him. But I believe the way you get respect, husbands, is you walk that way like God walks it, and you love your wife like Christ loved the church. I'm going to tell you something. When I think about the love of God, the sacrifice of God, the consistency of God, it's not hard for me to submit to God's leadership. I want to serve Him. I want to follow Him. I want to submit to Him. Folks, honor means submit. But folks, it's not just about that. Look at verse... Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. Somehow I flipped the pages and I'm not there anymore. But here it is. It says this. That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot nor wrinkle or such things, but that which should be holy and without blemish. So men ought to love their wives as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Folks, it's not about you. It's not about your happiness. It's not even about your fulfillment. It's about His name. Marriage is about His name. Marriage, what reason you ought to stay married, love marriage, and treat your wife with respect and treat your husband with respect and, and insist on your children uh, being brought up in a respectable attitude towards you and towards each other is for God's glory. Life is for God's glory. And folks, your marriage is for God's glory. And then he's ending this chapter, and he's saying marriage is honorable. Well, marriage is not honorable unless there's honor that is expressed in the marriage. I want to give you one more verse, and I'll continue this tonight. We ought to have honor that's directed to the parents. We ought to have honor that's towards one another, towards one another. I want you to look at 1 Peter 3, 7. This is the energizer, almost said bunny. This is the energizer verse in the Word of God for your marriage. Is your, is your marriage lost its spontaneity, its spark? Uh, we call it romance. Romance has nothing to do with sex. Uh, you, and I'll get to this in the, the latter part of this verse. Folks, you do not make love, you express love. If your spiritual oneness is not right, your emotional oneness is not right, your physical oneness is not going to be right, the world tries to flip it and say, hey, listen, let's make love. You do not make love, you express love. The world's got it all wrong. As my mother used to say when I put my clothes on wrong side out, I was a challenged child. You've got those things on wrong side datters. That's what she'd say. I tried to spell that one time, and I hadn't spelled it yet, but I'd put my clothes on wrong side datters. I'd have them on, the, you know, you ever put a shirt on and your buttons were on the inside? You can wear them longer if you'll do that. But anyway, you can alternate it. But I, I want you to know this. I want you to know it clearly, is that the world has flip-flopped relationships. They're saying, let's be physical. No, let's be spiritual. And when you're spiritual, your physical is way more fulfilling. And without God and without the wholesome boundaries of marriage, it is adultery, it's fornication, it's wicked, and God will judge you. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. He says marriage is honorable in all, 
and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. If you'll read Proverbs chapter 6, there is a shame that's never erased when you commit adultery. Oh yeah, he'll forgive you. But there is a shame and a disgrace that will never be erased. You read Proverbs 6 sometime. But where were we going? First Peter where? 3, 7. Thank you. I was just wanting to know if you was with me, Jack. Look at this. First Peter chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse 7. Here is the life-changing verse for your marriage. Anybody need help in your marriage? Say amen. Don't say it too loud. Don't elbow her. But I tell you what we all do because it's attack from Satan. The Trojan horse does not roll into that lobby back there to destroy Whitfield Baptist Church. The Trojan horse creeps into your house. See, eight years into this uh, church, uh, this church was almost destroyed as far as my influence on it because the Lord tried to divide our marriage because I was so selfish. I was so demanding. I was going to build the largest church in Dalton, and I did. But it almost cost me my family. And that's why I go around this nation preaching uh, and teaching on the family because God did something wonderful when we died to self. And I realized what a, a selfish person I could be without the Spirit of God dominating my life. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's many good preachers that have lost their ministry because of their marriage. And so therefore, your greatest ministry is your marriage. Don't ever forget it. If you do not have a good marriage, you will not have a good ministry. I can teach with authority on raising children, and I can teach with compassion on being married because God has blessed me <clears throat> with a very patient wife. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you ought to shake her hand when you can. But I want you to see this verse. 1 Peter 3, 7, I'll close. It says, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving, say the next word with me, honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. I'll explain that in just a minute. As being heirs together with the grace of life. I wish you'd underline that phrase. That's the greatest description of marriage I know in the New Testament. Heirs together with the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Now let me just say this. If you're not both saved, sanctified, thrill-filled, and satisfied with the Lord, and going on and maturing, you will not be heirs together of the grace of life. You'll be on your own. You marry that macho camacho that has no desire for church or God, that's not saved, and you will reap the consequences of not being an heir together grace of life. What a beautiful privilege it is. Um, I love it that my wife loves God. I love it that my wife loves this place. She was more excited when we started having church than I was when we, when we came back together. And I love that she loves the Word of God and I love that she loves the, her children. And I love that she has standards in, in, the, in raising the children that are godly. Now, folks, if I had to fight that every day, if I had to war against that every day, it'd be nothing but strife. It'd be nothing but vainglory. It'd be nothing but, but, a, but a dismal life. But, folks, the Bible says that we can have be heirs together of the grace of life, but it all starts when we give honor. We give honor. That means we respect our mate as a gift from God. Many times marriages divide and, and get devoured and divorce because they start taking each other for granted. They start shopping in shopping centers they shouldn't go to, like a wicked lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes. And there's an affair. Folks, I'm going to tell you what. The greatest place to have an affair is in your own marriage. Say amen. The greatest place to have a thrill of, of intimacy is in your own marriage. And it all starts not in the bedroom, but it starts with conversation. It starts with giving. It starts with listening. It starts with touch. It starts with appreciation. 
It starts with honoring God together. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. When will we ever understand that, folks, Hollywood does not have the plan for marriage? Politics don't have the plan for marriage. Uh, the experts don't have the plan for marriage. God created Adam and Eve, and God created marriage, and God has the plan, and God has the power. Amen. Hallelujah. How many glad you're married? Say amen. amen. We'll work on that. Let me just close. You give honor when you get to know God. And when both of you know God, but when you know each other. And to know each other means you spend time with each other. To know each other means you pray for each other. To know each other means you get explicitly honest about how you feel. And the other person explicitly cares how you feel. Communication is the circulatory system of the marriage. So some of you that never talk, you need to write it down and recite it or something. But you need to communicate. Because communication is the expression of hearts. Communication is, you're my best friend. And I want to be your best friend. And don't tell me that you talk to your bestie more than you talk to your husband or wife. And you tell them everything. Every day, because they're your bestie. Your best friend ought to be God, and your best friend under that ought to be your mate. And so I want to close with saying this. You can energize your life to go on to a different level of unity. You'll stop this manipulation. See, the best you can do in the flesh is get your little way because that's what you want. And we manipulate. You scratch my back, honey, I'll scratch yours. You treat me right, I'll vacuum the den. No, if you, if you treat me right, if you cook for me, if, 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 if. if. But I want to tell you something, folks, it ought to be this. Can I minister to you today? Can I love you more sincerely? How do you feel about this? And how can I meet your needs? And folks, it's ministering out of the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And without the Holy Spirit in your life, you are empty and you're pumping water from a dry well. And two people like that, it's frustrating, it's short-lived, it's temporary, and you might as well count on it, divorce is in the future. Praise God when two people die to self. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They overflow to their mate. There's a Greek word that describes it. Shazam. So if you don't know Andy Griffin, you won't get that. But anyway, it's exciting. It's thrilling. It's fulfilling. It's just plumb enjoyable. Honor. The society has no ramifications of how to honor God. Families are not honoring God by bringing their children up in the nurture and admonition of politics and the nurture and admonition of the world and the nurture and admonition of the Hollywood. Folks, we need to bring up our children to honor God. And the only way we can bring up our children to honor God is to honor Him ourselves through our oneness, die to self, be filled with the Spirit of God, overflow to each other. And it's an exciting life of being heirs together the grace of life. If I was one of those fancy, rich TV evangelists, Jason tried it in Sunday school. He must be thinking he's one, but I'd let you repeat that. Heirs together of the grace of life. Say it. Heirs together of the grace of life. Sounds pretty good. But I want to tell you something. It sounds, it sounds better when it's in the home and it's lived out and it's enjoyed. And your children have a pattern future. Your children have an example of a Christ honoring life. Yes, we ought to have thanksgiving, but folks, we ought to be so full of thanksgiving that we give to each other out of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
And God gets the honor. Not you. God gets the honor. Yes, you're happy, but God gets the honor. And so, folks, marriage is honorable if, if you go on in faith. If you're filled with the Spirit of God. If you realize that we need to dwell in knowledge, what does God want in your life? Well, open your Bible together and have home devotions. Fall on your knees together and pray together. And bring your children to church. And teach them about Christ before they can walk. And never let up. Because the devil sure is. And he's after your children. And he's after your marriage. So let us go on. Let us go on. And have honor and compassion towards others. Have compassion even towards a stranger. And have compassion of those in jail that are suffering for the faith. Verse 4, having compassion and love towards the ones that are closest to us. My family. Father, use this message. God, help us. Help us express oneness through intimacy, emotionally, the most important of all, spiritually, and then, dear God, physically. Let not bitterness creep into our marriages. God, help us to be forgiving as you are forgiving. Help us to be sacrificial as you're sacrificial. God, help us to love our wives even as Christ loved us and gave himself for God, I pray for the next generation coming up that wouldn't compromise because of insecurity. i got to have somebody. Because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Or even because they feel good when they're around each other. Would God help them to get this perspective? God, do you feel good about the relationship? Lord, thank you for our young people. Thank you for their high standards, their commitment, their purity. God, they guard that. God, may we as parents protect that the best we can. Lord, may we as parents display what an honorable marriage is all about. God, please put honor back in the courts. Put honor back in the politics. God definitely put honor back in the church. God most definitely, please put honor back in the home. We'll praise you for that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this has truly been a PS message. It's a lot of topics. It's a lot of admonition. But I had to park on the home for a while Because I'm going to tell you something. Your Christianity will never rise any higher than your Christianity in the home. You can pump it up if you want to. You can fake it up if you want to. You can shout it out if you want to when you come to church. But if it's not right at home, it's not right at the church. It's not right on the job. It's not right anywhere else. Folks, we need to pray for revival that begins in the home. How many of you right now would get up from your seat and come and hit this altar and say, Dear God, bless my home. That's going to be the invitation today. God bless my marriage. God bless my children. Let's stand quietly to our feet as you come and we'll close in prayer. God bless my children for Mary Wright. God bless my children that are in a bad marriage that they would, uh, praise God, get it right and not leave the children wondering what happened. Come on. I mean, do you need to pray for your family this morning? Folks, our nation will never rise any higher than our, than, our, than our Christianity in the home. Folks, the reason there's people riding and looting and dividing and devouring each other is because they didn't have a home. They didn't have a mama. They didn't have a daddy to say, hey, that's not right. You need to fear God. You need to, you need to respect others. 
Folks, if there's no respect in the home, there'll be no respect in the politics. If there's no respect in the home, there'll be no respect in the streets. If there's no respect in the home, there'll be no respect for the law and order in our country. Folks, it's all started disintegrating when we got away from the home. Come on, somebody else need to come pray. Hey, let's pray for our nation to have revival. That sounds good, but it better start in the home. Because it's fake and it's shallow. It's not in the home. Come on. Maybe you say this morning, I'm not even saved. Well, if you're not saved, you can't be a spirit-filled, overflowing vessel to your mate until you're saved. You'd say, preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. Would you please pray for me? Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? Anyone to say, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. Father, use this invitation, and God, thank you for these families, and God, thank you for these families that's humbled themselves to come to the house of God and say, I can't make it without you. I can't make it without you. And God, we're so heartbroken when we see some of our loved ones that are not honoring you on your day or any day. They won't even go to church. They won't read their Bible. They won't pray. Oh, God. Oh, God, get a hold of their heart. Lord, I know some of these parents have tried their best there's open rebellion of just going out in their way. They've got into sin and they got with the wrong group and they got with the wrong people. God, please help them. God, please. God, please pick them up like you did the prodigal son and help them to see the slop of sin, the empty husk of sin, the loneliness of sin. God, they'd come home. God, help these parents keep the light on of forgiveness keep the light on of compassion God give us compassion for the stranger give us compassion for the prisoner God give us passion and compassion for our partners in the home for our children in Jesus name